John Krasinski spent some time with the Vikings this week, so he's going to be our eyes and ears here at the Viking Update Show, which, as you know, is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. We recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app for this show or all the other shows at the network, including the John Krasinski Show, great edition of the John Krasinski Show this week on all the Timberwolves machinations and front office moves. All right, John, tell me what what jumped out at you about being with the Vikings this week. Yeah, you know, uh, so this was the first time that I'd been able to be out there kind of watching a practice um, and and watching how the team moves around since Kevin O'Connell came aboard. I'd been, you know, we, we, we've discussed on this podcast several times over the last few weeks about how I've tried to make, you know, stay in touch with people in the organization, around the organization, just trying to get a feel for how things are going there. And the early impressions were good from what I was hearing, just the way that practice was being conducted, the vibes, all of the things that that are going on, the work that's being put in. But, you know, it was nice to actually get out there uh, now that the Tim Connolly stuff with uh, with the Timberwolves have settled down and just get out there and just watch them kind of go through the motions there. And you can – I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to kind of be able to take huge takeaways out of it, but you can just kind of see sort of a visual representation of – what I'd been hearing, you phoned and texting with people about this this new era. And it really is kind of a, a group that does seem to be really cognizant of putting players in an environment in which they enjoy coming to work and that they that will make them want to put that work in. Uh, a lot of smiles on faces, a lot of things like that, of course. They have not met any adversity. They are not, you know, they're not down 14 points to the Packers on the road or anything like that yet. So, um, so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but I will say this. And I thought about this yesterday, Jim, while I was there is, you know, it is kind of easy to dismiss and minimize kind of the, the early impact like this because they haven't been in any adversity and, and haven't faced any of it. But I do remember when Brad Childress came in after Mike Tice, there was right away, even if you, you just you, you talk to players, you talk to people around the organization, the way that they handled things, it was a much more tense environment. It was a much more business-like environment. It was kind of like a shock to the system that way. And, you know, that kind of, I think, set up a sort of, tumultuous run for Brad Childress in Minnesota, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But um, with Kevin O'Connell, it does seem like it's getting off to a much more um, light start. And they're, they're obviously putting their work in and they're doing the things that they need to do. But I think that he has established a little bit of a, of a situation there where people are enjoying what they do and they're going to be in the mini camps and then they're going to leave and, and it, I think look forward to coming back to training camp where I don't know that that was the case uh, just last year even. Well, it's interesting you put it that way, you know, using the word tense or tension because I've been covering the team for a long time in different jobs. And, and you know, I came here as so a Vikings beat writer. And when I got here, the Jerry Burns regime, it was all tension because everybody could kind of feel like things were coming to an end and they had a really messy ownership situation. Mike Lynn was, you know, kind of a controversial figure and Jerry Burns was older and the team was starting to, you know, decline a little bit. So there's tons of tension there. Denny Green actually had a pretty good honeymoon year. 
mm-hmm. but then but then his first off season, you know, basically he was ready to sue his owners, you know, <laughs> and, and, and things got really ugly after after the honeymoon year. Things got really ugly and remained so for a long time, even though Denny did a you know won a lot of games as a head coach and got to two NFC championship games. Uh, what his coaching wasn't the problem, but there it was a very tense organization. And as John Randall once told me. Uh, he had to go to Seattle and play for Mike Holmgren to realize you didn't have to hate people to actually play good <laughs> football. I mean, he literally said that. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Childress was all tension. Tice was, Tice was a blast for us and a blast to be around. But there was also the tension that Tice felt insecure all the time. You know, so it was yes. a different kind of tension. Uh, so this, and, and, and of course, Zimmer came in and, and he had a honeymoon too. Uh, and it was a pretty good honeymoon. And he, and again, he won a lot of games. But the last couple of years have been, they were nasty to be. It was just a nasty atmosphere to be around uh, the last couple of years. And so, you know, I don't really dismiss, even though, as you said, we don't know a lot about this group. I don't dismiss uh, the fact that this organization kind of needs a break and kind of needs uh, some level of positivity in the room right now. Yeah, I, I think like one thing I'll, I'll tell you this story, and that was great, you know, background, Jim, because you, you do think about it, and there has been just a lot of tension and drama surrounding this franchise for most of its existence, like at least that, that I've been covering it and been around it, and and that all adds up and that weighs on people. And one thing I remember, this was probably ten years ago, I was having a conversation with a player. Um, I, I think I can say it, it, Chad Greenway, um, a, 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 you know, a, a long time ago. Uh, and we were just kind of talking about the nature of this game and playing this game and what you have to do, uh, to, to kind of hang in it for a long time and do all these things. And he put it pretty much as kind of crystal clear, as I had ever heard anyone that I'd talked to about this do. And he, he basically just said, you know, John, like, like this is a job, like, you know, all fans look at it and, and outside people look at it as, you know, this, this dream thing. And, and it's great. You know, we have a, we have a fun playing it. We, um, you know, we make a ton of money and, and there's all of this glamor and there's a lot of, you know, excitement around it and things. But when it comes down to it, this is a job that we show up for and it's much like when and when you're in a in a situation where uh there is tension where there is angst where there is kind of you know uh nerves that are frayed um you put your body through so much to get ready to play these games and to do what you have to do that way um that when you add on top of it the the sort of the mental side of the, the mental strain that can come when people are holding the steering wheel too tight. And that only doubles down on sort of the, the overall drain that this occupation takes from you. And so he's, you know, much similar to the way a construction worker may get up in the morning and say, God, I just don't, want to go to work today. I, I'm, I'm not feeling much in the way maybe there's an accountant in tax season that has the same thing. Like I cannot do this another day. A lot of these football players do the same thing and have the same uh, doubts or have the same um, internal struggle 
every day to clock in. This is not showing up to the to to the backyard um and 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 throwing the football around with your buddies like you did in grade school. Like this is a job. And so I do think that over the last couple of years of the Zimmer Spielman regime, it became even more of a job um, than it had been before. And some of that was out of Zimmer's control, the COVID stuff, like all of that really, I think, affected things as much or or more than than Mike Zimmer's personality did. But uh, but it, this has very much been a job. And I think that Kevin O'Connell and this coaching staff is trying to recognize what these guys do go through to do this and do this at a high level. And they're trying to make it more palatable for them to come to work. So they are not necessarily waking up when that alarm rings in the morning and be like, God dang, I can't, I don't want to go to work today. Um, you know, that, that will come and go. There will be times, there will still be times that they don't want to. And even if they love coming to work today, if they're not, if they don't have enough talent, it's really not going to matter. But um, I think that was one thing that has been identified early on for this coaching staff to address. And, um, you know, Keenan McCardell was saying it yesterday as well, the wide receivers coach, and just saying, like, you have to have a smile on your face. Otherwise, these days are just too long. And um, and and so uh, I think that's the overall philosophy of of this staff. And we'll see if that translates to wins or not. But it, what it is translating to right now is, I think, just an overall better uh, more enthusiastic kind of situation from the rank and file players that are showing up every day. Yeah, everything you just said just raised so many thoughts. Uh, first of all, I want to go back and I didn't mes- mention Leslie Frazier. And mm-hmm. Frazier, I think, came in with a really positive mindset and that team, his first team, you know, overachieved. And then, but he was, he was kind of a walking lame duck the entire time. They yeah. never intended on having him long term. And that created its own kind of tension. Second of all, I mean, the stuff about, this being a job and fans not really understanding it's just so true. Uh, NFL players get brutalized. They get absolutely brutalized. Uh, they probably are the, given the physical demands and the physical punishment, they are probably the most underpaid of the high profile professional athletes in America. Uh, and, you know, I, I did the manual labor in, in high school and college and you wake up some days and you're, your back is sore and you just know you're in for eight hours of misery and there's no way around it. It doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid. It's it just, if you're, if you're, if you're hurting, you're hurting. Um, and it also reminded me of something Tory Hunter once said, which is, you know, it was after one, I probably signed his biggest twins contract and he, and he said, Hey, I feel very lucky. I, I, you know, I'm set for life. I appreciate everything this game has got me. He said, but, but if, you are going to be judged by your performance, and if you can be fired, it is still a job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. And I think that one thing that is different about the NFL, I think even than other major sports, but it, it, I think it is a thread that connects the major sports, but certainly it is very uh, much a real thing in the NFL, is if there isn't some level of, respect or you know you don't have to like your head coach or or your leader you don't have to be buddies and want to grab beers with with him or anything like that but if there is not a level of respect and a level of kind of dignity that you you kind of transfer onto that person coming to go to battle every single day 
and 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 put in put your body through what you have to go through to uh to get ready to win at this level and to stay in the fight as long as 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 you need to in the NFL it's just it's just impossible um you know if there's any sort of resentment if there's any sort of uh you know bad feelings or you thinking that people that you are working for do not have your back it just makes it so much harder to come to work and it's so much harder to put your body through everything that it needs to go through from the Monday after the game until the Saturday night before it so that you can actually walk and play. Um, that is so difficult and so demanding. And if it's, if you're not all the way in it, if your heart is not all the way in it and, it, and you don't have that kind that, that level of not reverence, but certainly, uh, you know, admiration, respect for for the people who are asking you to run through that wall. You're at, at sooner or later, you're just going to stop running through that wall. You're going to stop doing it, and it's um, and it's just not worth it to guys that way. So I think that Kevin O'Connell is trying to establish relationships early, establish an environment early of connecting with these players, and hopefully that translates in week 12 when they have been in train wrecks for the previous 11 weeks and they're hurting and they're uh and and they don't know how they're going to to be ready for for the the upcoming opponent where they're saying okay like we're together in this my guy I'm going to I'm going to be there for him the way that he's been there for me and maybe that will translate maybe it won't but I think it at least gives him a chance to to get these guys where he needs them to be. And that's an important first step. No doubt about it. Uh, hey, we want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton, our sales executive, Karen Cleary. Uh, just a reminder, John Krasinski works for The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Start Review, and we do appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. We also want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. Just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check convenient services. You got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Now, John, tell us about Headflyer Brewing. Headfire Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, just off the 35W uh, North exit. Easy access, but most importantly, just great beers. I was in there on Saturday um, picking up some beer to bring to an, a little neighborhood party. You can grab it in, in growlers that serve four or five beers. You can grab it in little mini crawlers that serve about two beers to take with you. Or just hang out in the, in the great tap room that they have. Sit on the deck right outside of it. Um, hang with your friends, bring your, bring your pets, bring your dogs and just chill and have great beers and, and enjoy an evening. They have big screen TVs for NBA and NHL playoffs. They have trivia during the weeks. There'll be food trucks that show up and, and, and you can hang out, but most importantly, get yourself some crunch time beer, get yourself some, um, some hazy IPAs that they have some juicy, uh, some, uh, five on it. They got all sorts of different stuff to try out. You can get them in flights to get little uh, samples before you you go all the way in. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis. Tell them John Krasinski sent you. 
Congratulations to our friends at TSR Injury Law. Moved into spacious, beautiful new offices, top two floors of a great building in Bloomington. Uh, they got there by winning cases. You don't want to need an injury lawyer, but if you need one, you need a good one. 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win lots of cases. 612-TSR-TIME. All right, so let's get into a couple of the more intriguing and talented position groups with this team. I know you spent some time talking to some coaches uh, at, at outside linebacker in the new 3-4 scheme. They have Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith, who could be uh, the key to the whole thing here. And at receiver, you have, you have Jefferson, a great young player. Thielen, still a great player. Uh, Osborne, some some real depth there. Uh, what did you get out of the, your conversations with their position coaches? Yeah, it was cool to just kind of like really listen to how these guys think about the game. And, you know, McCardo's been here for a little bit. Um, so he was a holdover from the previous staff. And, and I know that, uh, you know, Jefferson and, and Thielen certainly lobbied on his behalf. And we can get to that part in a little bit. But first, my first this was my first experience hearing Mike Smith, the outside linebackers coach, talk about his vision, about how he can see this team using Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. And I just think that he's a really important voice in this whole process because uh, they are moving to more of a 3-4 scheme. It is going to be... Uh, a lot different from what Vikings fans are used to seeing from their defenses, not just in the Zimmer era, but just going back forever and ever. Um, And so to have these different looks that they're going to have this season, I want to, you know, I just wanted to kind of just sit back and, and listen to Mike Smith talk about what he saw. And I thought he was really impressive in terms of the way that he, uh, kind of intextualized and 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 really laid out his vision for specifically using Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, and he was talking about how you know both Mike Smith and Zadarius Smith are are new to this organization, and they kind of came in right away, and we're looking forward to meeting Daniel Hunter and getting to know him. And he said, you know, Mike Smith kind of said, you know it wasn't long when before Zadarius and I were kind of looking at each other and saying, does this guy even talk? Like, is he mad at us? Like, is is there anything? And, you know, Daniel Hunter is just this quiet guy. And so um, they at first were like, Hey, what's going on here? Does he not like us or, or anything like that? And as it came and as it developed a little bit more, they just understood that Daniel Hunter is a, a really quiet guy and that that's how he goes about his business. But he said that, the last couple of weeks in particular, he thinks that Zadaria Smith and Daniil Hunter are really connecting on a more personal level and finding that common ground and getting some chemistry going, which is going to be important for them because the, the, the intriguing thing is that he talked about on Tuesday was that, you know, Daniil Hunter, for the, for the most part, we know where he's going to line up or we have over the course of his early career. He's the fastest player ever to get 50 sacks in the NFL. And he was always rushing, you know, from essentially from one position on the end of the line and going after the quarterback. Well, Mike Smith said that under this new scheme, he is going to be deploying Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter all over the place and not just coming from one edge and not just sort of, you know, being in one predictable place and just, you know, because that's where they're used to it and that's where they have their moves developed. He said that, you know, Mike Smith said that he is for everywhere he's been, he has wanted to put 
his best against the opponent's worst. And so if that means that there's more um, vulnerability on an offensive line in the interior, uh, you might see Daniil Hunter or Zadarius Smith lining up over the center or um, or or coming or, or rushing at least from a point where they get into uh, get a guard in front of them instead of a tackle. Um, so he said they're just going to deploy them all over the place. Give give them the sense of surprise and 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 try and keep the offensive line and the quarterback on his toes a little bit more and wondering where these guys are coming from. And that is going to be a key element of what we see in this new look Vikings defense are multiple looks versatility, different alignments, all of those things. I just thought that was really interesting. He was really smart guy seemed to have a really good feel for what he thinks that the strengths of this defense can be and, and, and how to deploy their two you know, most dynamic players probably outside of Harrison Smith in, in, in Hunter and, and Zedaria Smith and, um, and, and just kind of try and create some havoc and chaos that way. And by the way, uh, you know, Hunter, I don't think anybody has ever confused him with being uh, surly. He's just quiet. He's actually a yeah. really nice guy and he's a really thoughtful mm-hmm. guy if you ever talk to him. Uh, so, you know, he, but he, he, you have to get him to open up, no doubt about it. Uh, and not that I've talked to him that often, but my conversations with him over the years, you know, it's like you get a few sentences in and then he kind of opens, he has a lot to say, but he just doesn't volunteer it necessarily. Uh, now, it's very interesting that uh, <clears throat> sounds like Thielen and Jefferson went to bat for Keenan McCardell, who was retained. And uh, McCardell was a, you know, he, he was kind of a long shot player who made himself a yeah. really dynamic NFL player. Uh, a lot of know-how there and players seem to really like him. Yeah, he really seems to have connected with these guys and, and you know, spent a lot. We spent probably, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes chatting with him yesterday. And um, you can kind of see it, it's a really he's got a, a really cool sort of vibe about him in terms of, you know, he is a guy who was and he mentioned it. He's a 12th round draft pick that came into the league and was told. Um, very early on by a defensive backs coach in in his first training camp and said, like, look, kid, you have to make at least one play every single day in camp. And you have to show up and make sure that you keep the coaches talking about, hey, this he was wearing number two at the time in training camp. This number two, uh, you know, he showed up again today. Like, and, and you have to make it impossible for us to ignore you. That's the position that Keenan McCardell was in early on in his career in terms of just scratching and clawing just to try and get a foothold in the league. And then he turned into just a great player over the course of his career with Cleveland and Jacksonville and all these other, um, all these other teams. But, um, you know, uh, but so sometimes in those cases, you kind of, you picture a player who's come through that path as a super intense grinder, as as kind of maybe a chip on his shoulder guy, that toward that sort of a thing. And um, Macardos clearly, you know, has a real attention to detail, is a very exacting from a technique standpoint, and what he preaches in terms of work ethic and and all of those things. That's very important. But he also has a a sort of airiness about him. He has kind of a a an attitude where. He wants, you know, he's preaching with Thielen and Jefferson and all these guys to just have gratitude for the position that you're in, but also don't take it for granted. You know, he he told a story about his interactions with Justin Jefferson 
all the all off season and saying basically like, Hey man, like you've done great things in this league. You've, you've, you've already, I mean, you're certainly way ahead of where I was at your point in the, in this career, but I still got way more catches than you do. And the, the key to doing that is to, um, is to know that every single season is its own season and you have to reinvent yourself every year and forget about what you've done and then start from scratch. You you have zero catches right now. So start from scratch and hold yourself accountable that way. But he, he, he says all of this with not quite intensity, but more of like appreciation for the knowledge that he's had. And so I think that it's a good combination of, his vast experience as a player uh, coming of coming into the league through the back door and, and then becoming a star in this league. But then also, you know, just like, Hey, while you have to do all of this work, have fun with it, man. Enjoy it. Like this is a, this is a great opportunity. Uh, we're going to have smiles on our faces. We're going to work hard, but we're going to, we're going to enjoy this or else we're just not going to be able to put in the same amount of work as if, you know, as if we were not enjoying it. So, um, I just feel like he has a really good way about him. I could see him eventually down the road becoming a head coaching candidate, just kind of with the charisma, with the the grasp of the the the, the bigger picture of this game, um, and and just the way that it does seem like his guys do seem to gravitate to him and listen to him and follow him and and understand him. Good stuff. Uh, I want to get a final impression from John on what he's seen out there when we'll talk about what we've both seen out there the last few weeks. And just to let you know, uh, the Viking Update Show, we do it year round and the Vikings are about to kind of take a little time off and you won't be hearing you won't be hearing or seeing as much from them. Uh, in the next month until they really get ready for for training camp. We continue doing shows and sometimes our best shows, our most fun shows are those off-season shows where we can just kind of be goofy and go in any direction we want. I have some plans for those, so keep checking back here at, talk, at TalkNorth.com and at the Viking Update Show. We also do the Jeff Diamond Show, former Vikings general manager for the insider view of the Vikings and the NFL. And uh, follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See all of our shows as they are released. All right, give me kind of a final summation of, of what you saw yesterday and, and what you're thinking about the squad right now. Yeah, you know, um, I, I try not to take like too, you know, big of a takeaways from, you know, hey, someone made a nice catch, someone did this, someone did that, because it's just like, this is so different from when they're going to put pads on and when they're going to be hitting and when they're when everything is live. And so you got to be careful. But I will say this um, one thing that did stand out to me and, and, and you get, I think, even a little more appreciation for it when you're on a sideline, when you're within 10 or 15 feet of of how he works is like Adam Thielen <laughs> made some just incredible catches uh you just in like the seven on seven and the 11 on 11 drills and things like that um yesterday in terms of like one-handed reaching up effortlessly right on the sideline dragging a toe and and you know making it look like he's done it a million times before because guess what he has done it a million times before but I just think like you know, after it's been months and months uh, since I've been in that situation where you watch, you know, watch a team playing and you watch these guys live. And you know, it, I hadn't watched Thielen really catch passes um, in person since probably the last home game of last season. And so just to be there again and see that again, um, it's, you know, it's special uh, to, to, to do it because he, he gets very, you know, he gets some separation, but 
Kirk Cousins is thrown into a tight window and he is grabbing this ball like it's a you know a tennis ball and 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 holding on to it and and there's no question whatsoever that he knows exactly where he is on the field and he knows exactly what he has to do to bring in a pass and that's so those are the fun moments that, that you get in these situations just to kind of soak that in um even though you're not going to be able to to say hey you know is Kirk Cousins going to be 10% better next year is this defense going to get back to rushing the passer all these things that's really hard to get but those little moments you can say yeah Adam Thielen still got it it's still pretty amazing to watch interesting that you would mention Thielen because you know for all the things Viking fans can complain about and Viking writers can complain about over the years uh being around this team the probably the greatest joy you you've gotten or I've gotten being around this team standing on training camp sidelines covering OTAs whatever has been watching great receivers just year mm-hmm. in and year out. Watching, you know, Anthony Carter, uh, Chris Carter, Randy Moss. Uh, you know, it just seems like year after year after year, receiver after receiver has been just fascinating to watch. You know, there's nothing quite like watching Carter and Moss uh, just go down the field and make crazy one-handed catches and toe tap and do all that stuff. And and Thielen's right there. Thielen's right mm-hmm. there. Uh, he, he makes incredible catches uh, and and. And he's he is a technician, you know, and that's what we're seeing at this stage in his career. He's he might not be he might not be downfield catching the fifty yard ball anymore, but man, when he's in the red zone, he finds a way to get open. He finds a way to make the catch. Yeah, it's it, it's phenomenal, and and like especially in these situations where you know you know you're not hitting very much and you're not doing a whole lot that lot that way. Um, you know, I always I always remember watching Adrian um, early on. And in like the first training camp and the first, you know, mini camps and things and you saw it and it's like, holy cow, like that is a different beast from everyone else. But those sorts of things are a little bit harder to see in general, unless they just completely leap off the field at you in these like non padded workouts that they that they go through, especially nowadays where it really isn't full speed very much. It's it's kind of just you know, let's just get our work in, let's get some, some, some reps in and and then get out of here without any injuries. But, um, the one thing that you can see and you can really fully appreciate are the receivers because that those, those things that you see, those catches that they make, um, how graceful they are, how, you know, just, you know, kind of awe inspiring they are as athletes and as just physical specimens, that part translates to when they're playing in the games because you can see them make those one-handed catches in games you can see them get the toe taps you can see them go up and over someone in the end zone um, much like you do here and so it's just easier to kind of see how that you know moves from June uh, at the practice facility to October at U.S. Bank Stadium and and that's so that's I, I always just really enjoy kind of, you know, those little watching those drills, watching those those one-on-one battles with cornerbacks and stuff because uh that's the one thing you can say, okay, this guy, you know, he can really catch it, he can really get some separation whatever it is and um so my eyes always gravitate toward the receivers just cuz they're they're so fun to watch and I feel like I can trust what I see on, you know, during these workouts uh more than I more so than I could you know, uh, a, a pass rusher, a, you know, a linebacker, uh, a center, you know, any of those things. Good stuff from John. Thank you. Thank you to Brandon Morton. And thank you for listening to talknorth.com. We'll talk to you next week.